Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Sociable Beer Company and The Small Batch Brewing Co. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Dave from A Hoppy Place. Dave launched a hoppy place in Windsor with his wife Naomi and brother-in-law Jason in August 2019. Since then, the Windsor venue has twice won Regional Camera Pub of the Year. It also won the Seba Craft Beer Retailer of the Year Award for a single outlet in 2021. Following a successful crowdfunder, in June 2022, Dave and team opened a second, much larger venue in their hometown of Maidenhead, which is where we are recording this evening. Dave, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching a hobby place. Hi, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. It's, it's fantastic. Where do we start? Um, so we we opened us the you know the first place just about pre-pandemic, as you've said, in August 2019. But really, it was quite a few years before that that we knew we wanted to launch one. Okay. Um, the Sonemi and I've been married since 2017. Right. We got kind of engaged on our 10th anniversary of dating, which was back in 2015. Okay. We've always been beer nights. Mm-hmm. Our wedding was basically a beer festival and rock festival. Um, nice. And our honeymoon was a trip to the uh, southwest of the USA. Lovely. So specifically sort of California, yeah. uh, Nevada, Arizona. And yeah, we, we were over there sort of going into any random beer bar in any random town and seeing 30, 40, 80, 90. You just can't go wrong, can you? No. It's so much fantastic beer absolutely yep. everywhere. I mean, just at the end of three weeks of basically beer paradise, mm. which I, some people I tell that to are still surprised. No, because they sort of think, well, oh, America, that's just Budweiser. It's really not. Us, us, us <laughs> in craft beer, we know that's not oh, true. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh, we, so we just came back and sort of thought, well, why can't we have a go at this, really? Sure. And so that's, that's how the plan started. Yeah. And then a couple of years after that, we got our first one in Windsor Open. So it's, I think it's fair to say the Windsor site is small. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess from the from sort of people looking at it from the street would think it's more of a bottle shop than a yep. bar. I mean, it is obviously dual purpose. Yep. And it's, you know, I've, I've had a couple of good drinks in there myself, um, you know, at, at the bar. But... What you described in America was a was a bar experience, and then yes. you opened a sort of a dual purpose business. So how did that? You know, what was the thought process there? So fundamentally, I think the pub co model in this country is is such that for us to do what we wanted to do, we had to look at non traditional spaces. Right. Uh, we couldn't just get a pub and serve two hundred different beers. No. Because uh, your landlord, whoever they are, I won't name names or pub co's now, yeah. but they'd say you can't. Unless you bought product. a distressed kind of exactly. you know, um, relic of a So, so we, we couldn't yeah. take what looked like a traditional pub. Mm-hmm. We, we had to go for something that's more akin to, to retail and right. um, yeah so we were all, we were always clear it had to be both because okay. we, we didn't want to get in any trouble with anyone no. um we were as much about takeaway and the traditional bottle shop as, as the drinking and, yep. and and you know the, the sitting around the bar and enjoying beers with friends so, Absolutely. so it, was, it was by design i think if we didn't have that pub tie model in this country we, we may have just focused on, on, on draft beer, okay. but um, you know, cause there were already a lot of fantastic bottle shops, even locally, for example, the Grumpy Goat in Reading. Yep. Did it need another one? I don't know, but I think the blend of both has put us in a pretty good position, and uh, sure. yeah, we, we are where we are. Yeah. All right, so I, mean, I think that's fair. So you came back, did some planning, eventually landed in Windsor. Was that 
by design or were you just looking Thames Valley and that was the... it, it was so so we the bar we're in now in Maidenhead it's a 12-13 minute walk from where I live right um, so we've lived here for about a decade now and I mean Maidenhead for those that know the area that might be listening or those that don't it, it was at a very low ebb and a lot of the town was sort of being boarded up and oh, closing definitely. down yeah and um, in the last I mean probably as recently as two years so I think some of it is let, let's invest after you know Crossrail is sort of starting to come to town yeah some of it might be you know they finished the work that they did in Bracknell for example and a lot of the developers have come here now right um, it is a bit of an opportunity I think um, absolutely yeah. yeah three years three years ago we didn't think Maidenhead was ready and okay. we didn't think the clientele the money or just the volume of people was right. here which is kind of sad because we live here we want yeah. our town to be nice but uh, Windsor on the other hand just seemed like a safer bet for our for our first site right yeah, just just a more prosperous, you know. And yeah. You've obviously got the tourist element in Windsor as well. Which yes, you, with your, does, does that get out as far as where you are? I mean, you know, not really. I mean, you, you know where we are. We're a yeah. bit of a drag away from the castle. Um, yeah. St. Leonard's it's Road. That, it's a few hundred yards. Yeah, no, it? you know, you think yeah. so, but it, it's interesting. There seems to be a bit of a. It's, it's like there's a force field up, um, and it's the set. Of, <laughs> it's the set of traffic lights ne- next to the Queen Vic pub, which is a very nice sort of traditional loser, by the way. Mm-hmm. Good point of the landlord. Mm. Uh, but across the road, people do not travel. Um, I've, had, I've petitioned to the council a couple of times. Could we not? Because it's basically there's four parking bays. It's, it's single direction, one way road. Yeah. Could we not just make that a little bit pedestrianised? Yeah. Because there are other ways to access the rest of the street. Mm-hmm. I think it would really transform all the businesses down there. But no, the, the short version is it's locals that know where we are. Right. Uh, we occasionally yeah. get your, your craft beer tourist. They tend to be American because that's all the guys that use Untapped very yep. prolifically. They come in because, you know, if you get into really anywhere in East Berkshire and search craft beer, you sort of come up with us, which sure. is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but outside of that, no, we don't get that much passing trade. It really is chimney no. pots. Okay. And I think probably the reason why you get the, you know, not just the, the Untapped, trade but also people googling you is your website and, and in particular your blog articles which I think you know you, you so you don't post that frequently but you have written some very thoughtful thought-provoking blog posts Thank and, you. and I want to sort of dig into that a bit uh, a couple of times in this conversation okay. I think yeah, yeah so you're obviously a good creative writer that hasn't got time to do it as much as yeah, you like that's exactly. kind of what my sense um, so, so in the in the build-up to launch I did sort of a few almost sort of like travelogue style bits and pieces you know on, on our honeymoon on, on going to Belgium and on yep. why we were kind of launching through the lockdown I got very invested as, as I would being the sort of owner of a young business with, yep. with not much money that was quite scared I got quite invested in um, the analytics of the business itself yep. And um, I started to talk more and more about the, the numbers behind the beer industry, yeah. uh, sort of looking at some of the decisions that certain breweries had made to survive or certain other bottle shops had made to survive. Yeah. Uh, obviously, most recently, I, I put a lot of detail down about how we were able to crowdfund as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love writing. I, I'm a member of the British Guild of Beer Writers as oh, well. Oh, wow, I didn't realise um, that. Yeah. I would love to do more of it. Yeah. But like you say, it's one of them things. I'll, I'll have an idea in my head for months and months and months. Right. And, <laughs> and sometimes it just loses relevance before I get to pen it. Yep. Other other times, I just never get around to it. Or never, yep. you know, it, it's it's something I'd love to do more of. Um, I, I tend to get some nice feedback about sure, it. Sure, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think that the, the, in particular the the articles you wrote during lockdown uh, received a lot of praise and publicity across the industry, didn't it? And so yeah, I think well, that, I think that must have raised the profile the, of the business. It did, it did to an extent. I, I think the web the website profile. It, 
I guess it's a bit of cat and mouse. It boosted because it had to. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't have a website. Well, we did, but he just said, here we are, come find us. Like, that's all <laughs> yeah. it did, and a phone number and an email address. That's yep. all it was. And then obviously very, very quickly, we had to launch uh, an online business as, as everyone had to. Yep. And we sort of survived the first year or so of the pandemic by getting people to online order beer boxes. Yeah. Then I'd turn up at their door, I'd give them the box. and. Nice. Uh, quite often to try and hold on to the community aspect as well. Yep. We then do like a virtual pub, for example. Yep. So Friday night, seven o'clock, you've had six, eight beers from me and sort of, you know, 20 or so, never a huge number, but 20 or so people will be online on Zoom and we right. just have a few hours on yep. the beer together and sort of try and remember what, what the pub was. So, yep. so I think because of the online business, we built up quite a large um, mailing list, mm-hmm. which put us in good stead for, you know, things like getting my blog articles oh, read yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah more than that it, it enabled us you know, as we go forward and talk about the crowdfunder it gave me a really good base uh, of, of you know willing consumers people that had already right. invested their money even if it's just in exchange for a case of beer yep. um, that would listen so I think it gave us a bit of a head start on that process absolutely and, yeah without the pandemic we'd have been a, a, a thousand people down on those initial shout outs and yeah uh, yeah so I'm not saying it was a good thing it absolutely wasn't but no. we did our best to make the best of it absolutely yeah <laughs> no and I think you you came out the other side relatively prosperous hopefully and you know and in a good shape to, to build the business onto where it is today you I, I know you know because I've read the several of the blog posts this afternoon in preparation of this conversation I know you're worried about the future of the bottle shop industry let's, I, let's I, phrase I, it I like am. that so um I've talked about this both in my crowdfunder pitch but also probably the main the main article that you're referring to which is in between land yep. which was me, me talking about how post-pandemic beer industry really really needs to, to, to think and act and behave and yep. think the, the the key point of that article that I try and get across although I don't know the solution because I know like we all, we all need to do what we need to do yep. uh, to survive but you know clearly pre-pandemic most breweries they weren't really bothered by direct customer it's an awful lot of work for a very low return yeah and, and and now we're in a world where where almost every single brewery will sell a single can direct to a customer and and, you know rightly or wrongly that puts a big old squeeze on what was the bottle shop market before Uh, you know you could always probably go and get 12 or 24 cans from a brewery well not all of them certainly not you know a brewery like the Colonel they had no interest in talking to you but now now they will (laughs) but but yeah now everyone is and I I, I get that but what that's done to bottle shops has left them in a real squeeze from Mm. from both directions Um, the breweries can put those cans and bottles out cheaper than a bottle shop could and and also they've just lost a large amount of their reach because people will go direct you know they like to be set in their kind of ways they'll get their box from their brewery every month or Or, or whatever it is, and, it, and it's a tough time for the for the bottle shop. So I've kind of had two responses to that. The first was, I don't know how much we should be fighting to convince, if that's the right word, but people to drink at home. Mm-hmm. Realistically, you know, I I started my my bar, and I was a craft beer fan before that because I went to lots of pubs and good beer places. Yes. And, and when we started out because we wanted to meet and engage with our community and, and have conversations and meet friends and all of sure, the kind of stuff absolutely. that makes a yeah. pub fantastic and. You know, if if all we're doing as an industry is pushing beer to the home consumer, we're, we're losing that. Yeah. Um, and firstly, I think that that's sad because it means I won't see some of my friends. Yeah, um, absolutely. But but secondly, I think people that don't get the positive engagement out of being with a community, being with their friends and family, they're just yeah. buying cans, especially in a cost of living crisis. At the end of the month, they look at that bill and they sort of think, well, what you know, why am I doing this? What value am I getting from this? Yeah, yeah. it's a bit tastier than that thing that's in the supermarket, but. Is it really worth this much of my spare cash? And I think sure. we'll lose people as an industry if, if if we all just tend towards drinking at home. We I need to so. get people yeah. back in to the bars. Yeah, which which uh, maybe I'm rambling. But that's 
No, I, I, I do think this is a, a very valid point you're making, Dave, and I think, you know, it's... I could possibly counter it a tiny bit by saying, you know, I think the only places that are, that are surviving and prospering are places like we're sitting here right now, you know, which is the leading-edge craft beer bars. And so I think that, you know, the hospitality industry has really been hollowed out, hasn't it? You know, yeah, so, yeah. so you've got a one extreme, you've got Weatherspoons, of course, which was serenely carrying on with their... Purchasing power, and you know, so there'll always be the cheap pint on the on the high street. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, there'll be amazing places like this serving, you know, very very high quality products that are there, but a much higher price than the, yeah. than, than Wetherspoons. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything in between those two extremes. Yeah, that's disappearing, I mean, isn't it? you know, I, I, I study business, and without going too far into it, mm. stuck in the middle. There's yeah. phraseology straight away. Yeah. You, you can't be a master of everything. You you will be a master of, of kind of nothing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the, the bottle shops that are just, and I, I don't say that lightly at all, but just bottle shops, they're going to find it tough. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of said to quite a few people online already, you know, if there's any way you can even just get a lender in, yeah. get a couple of lines in, I was, get two where tables I was, in. I was, I was sort of tending um, towards this line of uh, yeah. discussion. So do you think it's, is it possible to be just a bottle shop in 2022, 2023? I think the very most well-established will, will, will keep it going. But I mean, if I think of like the biggest online bottle shops, uh, it's somewhere like Hotburns and Black, it's maybe Trembling Madness. Yeah. Maybe we're in the conversation, I don't know. They're much bigger than we are. Sure. Um, but they've got bars as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the ones with the biggest reach have bars. The, the, the biggest individual online-only bottle shop I can think of is um, the Hoptimist, I think. Right. Or Hoptimism, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Rob. Um, I don't, I don't know how he's doing, but he's got a really big old loyal fan base. I think that there's a lot that are just slightly smaller than that that yeah. we're seeing takings go, go down and down. Right, you're talking online though. So yeah, like, well, I mean, online, you know, in terms of bricks and mortar. Also you know, bricks yeah. and mortar. Um, I'm in a bottle shop group on Facebook with about 200 um, bottle shop owners. Okay. And, and the ones that are, are, are just that are uh, a bit scared, I think, at the moment. Um, just, a, just, just a random tangent is it mm. a given that you can get a license to pour on site is that is that almost part of your or it, is it, it depends no, on the borough yeah, yeah. Um, so, some I think the Royal Borough is very understanding yeah um, we, we applied for an on and off trade license which encompassed also online and they just kind of said okay cool right um, you know I, I know how to write a license app but right. even so others are much much more paper pushy about mm. it they, they really want to enjoy their hours of oh, yeah. um, hassle you know so I know I know some places some areas wouldn't be able to operate the way we are no um, because they'd say well you're meant to be a shop and yet you've got all this draft beer for example they, they kind of don't understand that mixed use no um, others they literally have A1 slash A4 as a license type which okay. is retail or bar. right yeah that, I wasn't um, sure about that some of yeah. them do yeah um, but but yeah it really depends mm. and, and it's tricky I know like you sort of look at Derbyshire for example they're also priming the old lockdown fine like you've got a coffee on a hill we're going to find you all of that it seems to be an area that's very very tough generally to yeah. work in mm-hmm. um, not, not to pick on them for any particular reason no. I just came to mind uh, <laughs> it's a nice part of the world I'm yeah, sorry Derby people that are listening um, but, but yeah so no it's not it's not given at all yeah. it's just that the majority I think you'd get away with it as long as you can prove that the primary aspect of your business remains your, your use class so right. you know I am an off license I now have limited tastings okay. you know phraseology like that rather than saying we're converting to be a pub that's that right. might give yeah, you yeah. a very different answer I can imagine yeah <laughs> and I guess it's you know and the hours probably yeah, it would have impact that as well if you're yeah. still you know if you're still yeah. only staying open till eight nine or whatever then exactly it's less threatening yeah, to exactly. the local yeah, you know, equally I think if we said we were a bottle shop and we applied for a 3am licence things would have gone differently for us but yeah. you know we're only open until nine ten o'clock so right yeah <laughs> so post-covid you bounced back 
with all these awards in your back pocket, so that was pretty fantastic. <laughs> How's the winds of business doing today? You know, even even though it's you know it's just a small footprint, it has limited scope, I guess. You know, but it's it's, it's still I'm sure very close to your heart. Yeah, um, no, it absolutely is. Hmm. Um, and actually, because it's where we we built our community. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, I've lived in Maidenhead for almost ten years, but yeah. I think the number of people that I would have considered close friends prior to launching Windsor that I yep. met out here rather than back at home, sure. um, which is northwest London, just a million miles away. Okay. But um, no, it's very, very small. So we've made an awful lot of very close friends and actually probably now my best friends nice. um, in, yep. in the Windsor outlet. Yep. And um, I love going back there. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not, certainly we've not forgotten about it at all. We're trying to invest in it all we can. But yep. if I compare the two sites, I think part of it is just the building in Maiden that we've inherited it was concrete and glass yeah. and, and an empty shell other than that. We've had to kind of lean into your yeah, industrial look and feel bar. Sure. Um, you know, if you've, I don't know if you've been to the left-handed giant um, yes. tap room in I Bristol. Yes, several times. Um, I was there a few weeks ago. So yeah. we took, granted, we're tiny by comparison to that, but we took quite a lot of inspiration yeah. from a space like that. I think so, yeah. Um, for, for Maidenhead, where, yeah. where, with Windsor, it still feels a bit like more like going into your friend's lounge to yeah. you know, sit on the sofa, <laughs> have a beer with them. Yeah. It's a very different feel, mm-hmm. I think. The, the Windsor community is, is holding strong yeah. and personally at the moment it's still where I per, I prefer to go okay. on my time off and just get okay. a beer. Nice. Um, yeah. I, I always enjoy it there, it's a nice would it, time. Would it be sacrilege to inquire whether you would consider relocating the Windsor branch to a, to a we, larger... We, we may in the end. Yeah. Um, we've got two years left on, on the lease where yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I know the landlord there, he's a private landlord and he's very positive about us. Right. He would certainly allow us to stay on. Um, but we would have to, a decision to make. Um, yeah. You know, do we stay? Do we go to a bigger site? Yeah. Obviously, as is proven out by our second bar here in Maidenhead, fitting out a bar isn't cheap. No, I'm so uh, sure it isn't. Yeah. So it's a bit of a trade-off <laughs> between doing it all again for the potential reach, but yeah. versus sticking where we are in a bar that you know it employs two and a half, three people, and it, it breaks even. And it helps our reputation in town and all the oh, rest yeah. of it. But yeah, it's, it's not a cash cow. It's not going to develop our business. Um, no. so, so maybe in the end we do have to make a hard decision. But yeah. fortunately, I've got a couple of years to think about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, come back to future plans a bit later in the conversation, though. But I do, we just want to pick up on something else slightly random. So you mentioned Untapped yep. earlier on. Um, you're a verified venue in Windsor, but yes. not Maidenhead. Can you, can you talk me through that? Because I'm, I'm often in places with my you know, I'm, I'm a, so let me just set the scene here. I'm a big <laughs> Untapped user. Yeah. Um, I'm much more positive about Untapped than I think almost anybody I've ever met, actually. Um, <laughs> I check everything in. I use it religiously to search and yeah. research my travel, you know, in UK and international. I will before I'm going out in Reading, for example, which is my hometown, yeah. I will without fail check all the verified venue tap lists to see what's see what's new, what you can you see. Know, you, you, can, you know, I'm perhaps a slightly obsessive compulsive <laughs> in this respect, but you know, I don't see why you wouldn't do your due diligence before you, you know, yeah, you're yeah. an important you know, night yeah, out. Yeah. So all of that, when I go into a venue, I will look at the tap lists, I will look at the scores of the beers, and I'm really getting onto dodgy ground there, and I'm offending masses of brewers by what I'm about to say, but. <laughs> I know from my own use of Untap, which has been very extensive for seven, eight years now, I, for beer styles that I like, I can trust the ratings on Untapped, providing there's enough of them to average out the idiots, you know, so, so you know, several hundred ratings on a beer, I can trust that if it's a beer style that I like. So New England IPA, Pale Ale, Imperial Stout, you know, the, the, the beer styles that I'm really familiar and the big fans of, yeah. um, I can trust it. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. I like Untapped. <laughs> Therefore... <laughs> I'm often sitting in the pub 
with my mates talking about untapped, you know, you probably should say I should get out more, I get different mates. But <laughs> we, you know, at times are saying, well, why is that place not a verified venue? Well, that place is a verified venue and they dropped their subscription now. And so I know it's expensive. Yes. But talk me through it, the pro- it, it, from your perspective. Talk me through. Um, I mean, so we, obviously we, we could have a whole podcast about untapped. We could, I know. I've already um, bored everybody's attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for example, like, I mean, that means you're never drinking lager, right? Because the best lagers in the world get no. about a 3.1. But nonetheless, I did get verified venue status in Windsor. Um, at the time, I think it cost me about forty-five quid a month. Okay. It's now costing me almost seventy quid a month for the same. They did approach us. In fact, they've approached me almost monthly here about hmm. getting this site set up as well. Yeah. And, and they'll do you a two for deal, wouldn't they? And give well, you no, they don't. Do they not? They sort of will give you will give you a hundred bucks off your first year. Which per, per month is, nothing, what, is, is it? Seven, no. yeah. seven quid or something mm. a month. It's nothing. And I struggle. So they were bought out a couple of years ago. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe just a year ago, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And they used to be much easier to do a deal with, to mm-hmm. be fair. They know they've got a bit of a monopoly on the oh, market. Oh, totally. The, the absolute um, strength. like Real Ale yeah. Finder and a few other apps, no, but they don't none, have the None reach. of them are remotely. And they're not no, as well developed no. either. But, but no, it's, it's a simple factor of economics. It's, yeah. To be fair, we have beer boards on the walls in you Maidenhead, yeah. um, and they're powered by Untapped. They are, and that's because if you have one subscription, you could have as many digital menus as you like. Well, yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm making best use of that. And if For an sure, Untapped yeah. um, salesman hears me say this, they might not. No, they they're not sure they're down. listening, so we'll be alright. Yeah. So we use that, uh, and people can still check in. It will just, it won't be attributed to a verified venue, right? Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I can't see the the. I can't see how it's worth 75 odd quid a month, which is no. what they're trying to put, uh, pitch yeah. to me now. I'm not going to drop the one we've got in Windsor. A lot of people like Untapped. Actually, Gavin, who's on the bar today, I think he's got about 7,000 unique mm-hmm. check-ins now. So he's he's a proper ticker. Proper ticker, um, yeah. He's one of those camera book holders that's progressed to the app, you know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I use it as a business. Yeah. Um, I've got about 150, 180 check-ins as an individual. I, I drink too much beer and I'm too tight on time. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, I, I, generally I respect the app. I'm not in the brewer category of hating it mm. and, and getting really triggered every time I see a bad score or yeah. anything like that. And I'm very sympathetic. By the way, my brewer <laughs> friends, I am very sympathetic to how frustrating and painful that must be to, to <laughs> see your child criticised, you know, when you just... Uh, yeah. it's, it's a tool, it's a useful utility for us, just just for the beer menus. But yeah, but, but, but yeah I'm, I'm not... Look, if they did me 50% off for the second yeah. site, I'd probably go for it, but it's just very, very expensive. And I think so, that's why we're losing venues on there. What about beer ordering? What about beer ordering? As it relates to untapped? Um, interesting. Um, in the early days, mm. I absolutely used untapped to choose what to order. Yeah. Um, I would get an approach from a new brewery because we didn't have that many um, repeat orders at the mm. time. Like every order I do pretty much is direct to a brewer right. um, rather than by a wholesaler. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would use that. I would like new breweries approach me. I have space. I'll check out their untapped scores. Yeah. Uh, obviously, w- what that would have led to, um, in conclusion, is that I've got nothing but pastry stouts and um, <laughs> well, not so much. And double I mean, IPAs. But uh, I think from my perspective, <laughs> so if, you know, if you're if you're say right, you know, you're going to need a you're going to have a you know a lager on the bar, a couple of pale ales, a couple of IPAs, and <laughs> a range of beers. Would you look at the untapped score before you order the pale ale, for example? from a brewery that you, did, you weren't familiar so you know if I'll tell you what I do I wouldn't so much look at the scores because I, I think that's so subjective that mm. I don't put that much stock in it other than I mean if it's like 2.8 and it's a pale then it's rubbish then it's rubbish yeah, um, yeah. But Even if you, look, how about if it's 3.3 
Well, at, at, that point, at that point, I'm looking at the comments. Mm. I'm not really bothered by the score. Uh, I'm looking for beer faults in the comments. So if someone comes up and says a uh, big kick of diacetyl or, oh, yeah. or it smells oh, like yeah. cardboard or just, any of them things, but, yeah. um, I, that I would rule out a beer on that basis. Right. But, okay. but otherwise, I don't put no. that much stock in it. Like we, We've got a few breweries that we buy in because they're hypey and trendy. Mm. Generally speaking now, three-year-old business I know yeah, you've been at it for long enough yeah. I, think, I think I know what the best brewers in this country are and, and sure. the question I always ask because we get sales pitches obviously all the time we, yeah. weekly a new brewery adds me to their list without permission and I start <laughs> getting price book and uh, yep. don't, don't do that by the way breweries um, <laughs> just just ask first yeah. uh, and the question I always ask especially if a staff member is like get this brewery get this brewery it's like, well, who are we, who we going to drop then because yeah. we've just got the shelf space we've got and the mm. tap space that we've got um, so it's a fine line between becoming sort of stuck in your ways and chasing out the new hype. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, now it's my gut rather than a nap. Um, yeah. Where yeah, in the early days, definitely we put a lot more stuck into it. You know, I, if I was running a bar, even though I think I know as well, you know, as you do, perhaps or perhaps not quite as well as you do, but I, I have a decent body of knowledge about who the great UK breweries are. No, There's lots of them, by the way. Um, I, I think it was big during lockdown because like beer fashion was much more important then to an online beer business oh, yeah. we had to get people to come to us and buy from us yeah um, so yeah I, I, I really that's like that's interesting this, is, this yeah. isn't to pick on Verdant because they're absolutely fantastic but we had every Verdant release because they flew yeah um, you know more recently it, it's something like Emperor's a yeah, very small yeah. batch but I, man, I managed yeah. to get hold of quite a lot of Damien's beer yeah. and it flies oh, man. Uh, and that, that's what I mean by sort of beer, beer fashion you know the trends are there you know you'll get the demand yeah. and what we hope for is an online bottle shop then is well they grab that one or two things but then to get to the shipping threshold they, yeah they've got to fill, they a, fill a box haven't they yeah so, so yeah we did so you are looking for the dangling shiny new we, thing we yeah. went for yeah. the big hypey stuff a lot yeah. more then than I think now that we're primarily a bar again that's interesting yeah, yeah. and to, so you don't think well I guess of course if it's not a verified venue people are not going to come here to have that showcase beer because they can't until they walk in they don't know it's there do they that's a, no yeah. not unless they know us already so yeah obviously our, our beer menus are also um, uploaded onto our website so you can always look at what's pouring on, online if you're ever interested but yeah you can't you can't search for a beer and find it eight miles away no. for, for this do place. you um, just and I've really beaten this to death but do you <laughs> <laughs> apologies but do you notice any increase in footfall when you've got something really special on a tap in the Windsor bar Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, as I say, I think it was very obvious online yeah. through through order conversion. I, I don't think there's been every now and then you get people that come in and say, "Oh, can I have a half of this?" and and, and, it, and it's it's from the app. They've done their homework. Yeah. Um, but it's quite rare. Okay. Really. Fair enough. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many people who have my degree of obsession out there. Quite clearly, are. <laughs> Dave. Yeah. Let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with Dave at a hoppy place for the second half of the show. Dave, at this stage every week, I put people on the spot and ask them to tell me what makes you different. <laughs> what is it you're doing to stand out in the 
Thames Valley craft yeah. beer scene. Is that, is that me personally or is that our business? <laughs> you can take this in whatever direction you choose. Um, <laughs> fine. So, okay. Um, well, I talked about a little bit earlier on the fact that we try and sort of, I guess, burn the candle at both ends, for want of a better word. <laughs> We're I, drinking that. But I'm not going to talk about beer this evening, other than to say we're drinking a broken groom on cask, which I don't think yeah. I've ever had before. And we need to pull uh, that out. Yeah. It, it's absolutely beautiful. We, we had, during our launch event, we uh, had Matt Lincoln, who's the sort of online marketing and events dude in, mm-hmm. and um, we put a sparkler on as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the first time that Siren Broken Dream has been served through a sparkler. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so we just, we just did it to see how it would react. And um, yeah, he, he took pictures and was very, very happy with mm-hmm. it. I think this person, I mean, it won champion I know it did, yeah. in, in this format, yeah. but you almost never find it on, no. on cast. No. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, so that's one of the things, a segue, I'm, I'm trying to get better at this sort of thing, right. that, that does make us, I think, a, a, a bit different, which, yep. which is, you know, I'm a local camera committee member. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm press officer for our branch, and Naomi's okay. involved as young member secretary for our branch as well. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, you could put on your tinfoil hat and say, hmm, they're both on the and just they've <laughs> won the thing twice in a row but you know we have no say over the beer scores just no, to no. get that on record we get the beer scores and I think what uh, the point I want to get to is I understand that all beer brewed for beer brewed for flavour um, above cost mm-hmm. it's not to say that brewers can't that, that don't have to think about costs especially at the moment yeah. um, but I guess what I'm saying is you, you alluded to Weatherspoons earlier the difference between a beer that's brewed to go out and make money at two quid a pint versus a beer brewed for passion oh yeah um, all of that beer is great beer yeah. and we still got a bit of a divide in our beer industry I think between your sort of craft aficionados that are drinking your, you know your 8% um, double New England's and all that sort of stuff yeah. and just a fantastic pint of beer on cask yeah. and I, I spend a lot of time trying to remind both groups of people that yeah, this is all just fantastic there's beer. room for both yeah. uh, there's Absolutely. room for both yeah. and actually there's no fucking difference mm. between the two can I swear on your podcast Sorry of course you can that. yeah it's all nice um, it's a beer podcast <laughs> um, because it really frustrates me that there's this kind of like arbitrary divide it seems you know you know, a, yeah. lot, a lot of camera members will see a, light, a, a tap wall of keg beer mm. and I have to have that kind of explanation well in the, in the first instance this is all unfiltered unfined beer brewed for flavour nothing's yeah. been removed all of those kind of conversations but equally people that come in and turn their nose up at the cask offer well there is a, and, unfortunately um, that you know we've got and I don't want to get into the you know critiquing the, the where we ended up where we are with the price pressure on cask beer but yeah. it is a massive factor isn't it well that's another one of my articles was it was um, is it is it the campaign for real ale or is it the campaign for the three pound pint yeah because that's kind of where we've been um, and, and we have to you know we are saying as a, as a, as a camera in the organisation we have to get away from that because you know that we have to defend pubs and defend the beer in the brewing industry yeah. um, not help people get their extra little bit of voucher from um, Weatherspoons and I understand you need your membership you need your income to survive in this organisation but um, yeah, we we have to fight for pubs first and foremost, mm-hmm. I think. Which I'm getting I'm getting off track, but um, yep. point being, all beer is good beer, and I think a lot of the accolades that we've achieved are because we we I mean, we care deeply about dispense. I'm I'm self-trained in terms of beer dispense, but I've I've built both of our cellars, okay. um, which are sort of direct draw cellars. Um, I, I care an awful lot about how we serve and dispense the products. Mm-hmm and we're, you know, clearly we get complete choice over what that product is as well and we just want to you know, come in, try something different maybe take a few bottles away at the end of it as well yep. happy days, we've kind of found all three markets there 
you've got your takeaway sales, you've got your craft drinkers, you've got your cask drinkers. Yeah. And, um, I think more places should look to bridge that. To try gap. and serve all of those markets. Yeah. Or, um, there shouldn't be different markets, all, all of those sub-sectors. It's, it's, it, it's yeah. just beer. Yeah. Yeah, I know, there are some bad cask. Um, there, there are areas where you kind of know if you get a cask, you're going to have a bad time, you're going to get some vinegar. Yeah. Um, e- equally, you know, keg beer is more expensive and I understand that. There are more losses in producing keg beer, literally products that turns sure. to foam. The cost of your key keg, if it's a key keg, they're about 12 quid a pop at the minute. It's are they awful, really? Good an Lord. awful lot of money. We were talking about that um, last week as well. That's, <laughs> you're solving a lot of problems that I chat with my mates in the bars, you know, in recent years. So that's that's been a good good conversation yeah. from my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the thing. So you, you come into Maiden and we've got three casks on at the minute. We, we can have four. Okay. Windsor, which is where we've won the awards historically, that, that can have up to three casks as well. Right. And, and it's all just great beer. So I think yeah. I think that plus the fact that we try and hit both markets. And what where, are you typically pouring on the cask lines? Are you are you looking to sort of uh, are you taking risks with those beers, or are you you sort of playing in the three four percent? You know, not three percent before. Um, you know, so, so we've just I, I I can't announce the beer actually. I don't think I'm going to keep that under my hat. But I've just agreed to take on a nine percent imperial stout for oh, future wow. events. Yeah. Which is um, there are two pins of it in existence, <laughs> and I've taken one for each site basically. That's fantastic. Um, so so we'll we'll put stupid stuff in mm. casks, ideally in a pin if it's very silly. Yeah. No, so you know half of Firkin thirty six for yeah, yeah. seventy two pints. Mm. But but no, we'll we'll take in a stout on cask. It's just you just don't get it in the southeast. No, no your you, your best bet at that point is probably the Camera Beer Festivals. You know, oh, well, like, okay, Red, yeah, Red yeah, so, yeah, or, um, yeah. the, the Maidenhead Beer Festival. But no, there's very little of it. Around. All right, so I, I, are you going to solve another chat with my mates question in the pub recently, which is when the hell is Reading coming back? Ha. You know, as I understand it, the reason that it got cancelled this year. Hmm. Obviously, last year was still pandemic. No, it's all about the Reading Beer Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Reading as a town. No, it's never coming back. No, no. (laughs) Get a shadow, Reading. It's all about Maidenhead now. No, um, as as a beer festival, last year was still in pandemic times. Yeah, they they, they might have somehow managed to squeeze it in. I get that it didn't happen for for the last two years, but uh, but it should have happened this year. This year, as I understand it, it was was the opposite problem. There were so many regional beer festivals happening at the same time that they just couldn't get the equipment rental. So it's unfortunate. I, I, Reading. Well, you mean the marquee? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you say the word marquee, I think that's exactly what the problem oh, is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a real shame, but I guess everyone was going for that kit at exactly the same time, and, and maybe they're a day or two later. So than are, we, are, we, are we guaranteed for 2023? I think so. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if it didn't happen again next year. And mm-hmm. um, it's one it's one of the best. Well, it's the second in the biggest in Britain. It's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I love the scale of it. I can yeah. get there on the bus. So you know, that's well, why. Obviously, <laughs> I love Reading. For me, for me, from Maidenhead, it's about a nine minute. Train journey, and um, yeah, it's it's fantastic day. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I interrupted you. I think we've probably got to. You know, I think that, I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess all else I'd say on, on us as a business is I think Naomi and I. Naomi's not here at the moment, uh, but my wife and and co-owner. We work really well as a team together because I, I you know, I've got a business degree and work in IT, um, and she's she's got a fashion degree and, and, and does design and marketing. And yep. between the two of us, I think we're we're a very good team. We're more than the sum of our parts. Okay. Um, I think, you know, no, I'm certain that just a one man band, especially through the the pandemic, we wouldn't have got through it. No. Um, but but you know, what you sort of look around at this place and what we've achieved, and you know, it, it was my floor plan, it was my bar build. It yep. was all of Naomi's colour, design, oh, inspiration, yeah. and I think we've, we've come together to create something quite cool here. And, um, well, look, let's, let's, let's dig into this then. Though. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been skirting around Maidenhead <laughs> trying to talk about the past, but you know, we are sitting in a hoppy place, Maidenhead branch, which yeah. opened, what, 
three months ago, less yeah, than three G- months June ago. June yeah. 24th, I think. Okay, so three months next week. Yeah. Let's talk about the crowdfunder first. So we always knew um, for Site 2 that we wanted to, to, to do a crowdfunder. But I think the first thing I always do when I explain that is people sort of like pull their teeth back and grimace as soon as you say crowdfunder, yep. is that that's not a, I want your money, thanks, goodbye. Mm. It, it's different to that. Because there, there's two types of crowdfunder that you can that you can set up, uh, equity and non-equity. And yep. um, what a lot of beer businesses do, what a lot of businesses full stop do, is the non-equity round. Yep. So it's, you give us a bunch of money now and we'll give you a bit more back later. Yep. Which really is just a, a, a bridging loan. Yeah. And, and you know, looking financially at that, I kind of think the only reason that you do that, and it is important, but is that you also get all of those investors as regulars. Right. Um, you get you get their buy-in, you get their support. Um, because in terms of the rate of return of the money, it's it's a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. like, most of them is like, give me 100 quid and you get 150 quid yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, Unless, we, we've subscribed to several in yeah. the last year because it just seemed too good to be true. Yeah, you know? yeah, places but, that we would have been spending our money so anyway. Yeah. There have been a couple of local breweries where I now realise, unfortunately, this, this was true for them. Again, I, I won't name them. No. Unless the, all of the banks are turning you down, then that doesn't make sense just for the sake of the money. Right. It makes sense if you get the community engagement as well and all the rest of it. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, we, we didn't go that way. We went for a genuine equity round. Right. So we, we gave away 12% of a hobby place, yeah. uh, which realistically means you know Naomi and I gave away just under 6% each right. um, as the primary investors in the business. Yeah. Um, and we did that in exchange for the money we needed to launch this place. Yeah. What can I say about it? I, I, I'm very pro it as long as you manage it well. Um, yeah. But I do see lots of examples of, of them that aren't done particularly yeah. well or coherently. Um, I think the main thing I've potentially seen recently is people kind of adopt that if you build it, they will come mentality. Or in the case of a crowdfunder, if you announce it, they yeah. will give you all of their money, which, which I, I don't think is true. I think no. I talked earlier about our mailing list. Without us having a thousand regular customers already receiving my words on a weekly basis, I think there's no way it would have been successful. No, you, you can't. You can't just launch and wait for the cash to come in. That's not how these things you, work. I mean, I, I think on your on your blog is so so. A couple of things to say. Firstly, you you've written a several I guess several thousand word blog yeah. post on this. Yeah, I, I went along with it, which is fantastic. I mean, I, I read it all this afternoon, and, and this is an absolute case study on crowdfunding. So so I you know if I've achieved nothing with this podcast over the last couple of years at the very least I've been collecting great blog posts about this industry <laughs> and, and this yours today is, goes on Thank that you. list the o- there's only other one other on the list so far which was a post by a guy called Drew who runs Low Key Barrel uh, uh, yeah Butilius Drew uh, yeah, yeah. Was, was it called Low, Low, well, it's Low Key Barrel Low, and Butilius yeah, so Low Key Drew Barrel he's Low Key Barrel yeah. so Drew wrote a, an amazing warts and all you know almost from the heart expose about the Fears and trials and tribulations running a beer festival. Yeah. So if you think about running the beer festival, Drew's, you know, on the Loki Barrel Projects website, absolute, you know, the is that refer- very recent or is that a bit old? No, three, four years ago. Right, yeah. he, no, he's doing one again, literally at the moment. Yeah. But, but that was man. that was the <laughs> reference blog post on how to do that. So anybody who's thinking about running the beer uh, beer festival, go and read Drew's blog post. We've got these back. Anybody thinking about crowdfunding, for God's sake, come and read Dave's <laughs> blog post on crowdfunding. So that's it. A sermon over about blog posts, but. The thing is, you know, I think that what you've done with this is is fantastic. You've 
got the money that you needed. Mm. I think it was oversubscribed, wasn't yeah. it? You know, one of the things you said in that, uh, and this is very much my uh, impression of this, is if you haven't got 60 or 70% of the money committed yeah. before you start, yeah. so, so on day one, you yeah. press the button and it's live, and suddenly the, yeah. the, you know, the, the ticker is up to 70%. Yeah. That's what you need, isn't it? And then everybody yes. can say, oh, wow, this is going really well. I'll have a bit of that, you know, before it's oversubscribed. You know, whatever. And it's almost like a fear of missing out, even though, of course, there is no missing out because, you know, you can go as hard as you like. But that, you need that momentum, don't you, from day one? You do. I, th I think, firstly, it, well, in the very first instance, actually, before I even talk about trust, the, the platforms won't take you on otherwise um, right. because you know they invest many hours well, they don't want to fail uh, uh, you know I talked about all yeah. of the sort of citations needed kind of stuff that I referred to in my article as well the amount of due diligence they have to perform they invest you know dozens of hours into your campaign right. and they don't get paid unless you're successful sure yeah. so Makes generally sense. speaking they won't take you on unless they're pretty sure you're going to hit your goal right. so, so you really do need to have that percentage up front but the, the second aspect of that obviously is yeah people see a successful campaign and they want to get involved in it so yeah. we as a result of hitting that first sort of 60% and I must say it was probably close to a year's work wow. and, um, to, to get that yeah, just to lay the groundwork, having those, you know, one conversation at a time almost. Yeah, like yeah, there were lots yeah. of one-to-ones. Yeah. I, I, sort, I sort of sat down and did three or four evenings of mm. like an hour-long presentation where we were sort of giving people beer and all the rest yeah. of it and explaining away what we were trying to achieve yeah. uh, to get that sort of pre-commitment fairly, fairly firmed up. Uh, but by having that in, you then realise how many more people you know that just come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And, um, you know, one, one, one guy, I'll, I'll happily quote this number because you can look it up anyway. One guy that I'd say I, I kind of knew a bit. Mm. I just woke up and looked at my phone and he put 10 grand in. Oh, wow. Just nice. Like, oh, yeah, I believe in your business. You'll be. It's, it's absolutely mad. That's fantastic, um, yeah. I, I say it's mad. I don't know. No, we're a great business. Mm. It's a brilliant idea. Of course but, it was. Um, very true, yeah. <laughs> but but just, just the sh it was really shocking. Oh, yeah. And quite a few people came in for sort of, you know, one, two, yeah. five grand as well. That, and that we talk we, about putting a spring in your step for that day, I'm, I'm sure. Saying. Yeah, it's just uh, So we, yeah. we funded before we went public. Mm. So basically you get a week or so with Cedars where it's like, right now go reach out to all of your people right. and, and work them, really. Nice. And yeah. you know, with the pre-work that we've done and whatever else, we, we hit the go on the campaign and the, the following Friday before it even So you were to targeting 100 grand? Or? 100 grand, and you yeah. Got, and you raised 150. We right? raised 149 in the end, but, but we got to 100 in that first week and that yeah. was our initial target. So yeah. we then went public, at yeah. which point we turned up and Google results as crowdfunding. Yeah. I started sending emails out to everyone else. Nice. Um, we appeared on the Cedars homepage uh, and we'd funded. So at this point That's it's awesome. just, just the overfund. Yeah. So yeah. Know, people, people that are going for it, they know they're in, they're, they're, they're taking yeah. part of our business and yeah. they're, they're on for the journey kind of thing. But yeah, it went really well for us. Fantastic. Um, Just one more comment on the crowdfunder, mm. and I think this this really struck a chord with me as well. Is you know you said something along the lines of, you know, don't do this unless you actually want these people to be your regular yes. customers and you see value in picking their brains yeah. and actually you know cons yeah. almost consulting with them as you yeah. go along to Definitely. to take the business forward. So, um, so I mean, can you expand on that. Yeah, well, I mean, even a few times a few times post raise I've been held to account by people mm. and they've sort of been all well, you said you were going to do this and mm. you haven't done it yet I like, know oh, I'm too busy I'm sorry and that, that that sort of thing but but more than that it's if you're reaching big ticket investors people with five ten even more money to put in yeah I, I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know everything I need to know about business there's, there's a lot of very successful oh, yeah. um, you know smaller even large business Which owners why, that are coming why into people have got money to, to actually invest in you know that we, level, we yeah. sort of you know the trade-off is we, we make clear they are technically silent investors yeah. um, I don't you know I think I know the beer industry better than they do with yeah. their backgrounds but at the same time 
I always want a, a sounding board. Hmm. Um, and we, you know, we have we hold investor evenings, and, and, and as I say, a lot of these guys are just regulars anyway. Yeah. And we, we talk about what we're trying to do, and, and it's fantastic to get their their advice and their right. insight. Yeah. Um, the the other aspects I alluded to earlier is just we've got 150 people now who own a small slice of our business. Yeah. So I mean, where are they going to go if they're asked? You know, we're going out for the beers tonight. Yeah. Where should we drink? That's right. It's not they're going to say hobby yeah. place. Because, you know, they know it's in their interest yeah. to boost our coffers, which is which is yeah. fantastic. And I think that really that's the key reason to do it. Mm. Because because taking into account all of the fees, all of the time and legwork, I could have got the money from the bank, right. probably cheaper, yeah. but I wouldn't have had 150 very loyal no. advocates, you know, right. pe people yeah. that are telling everyone to come to us. And, you know, it's 150 more sales and marketing people. That's right. Um, you know, so it's not just 150 people. I'm sure, you know, over the course of a year, it's thousands of yeah. customers, isn't it, with the people that they bring so. in. Yeah. And plenty have said, you know, they've come in. I've heard a couple of people say, well, come in, this is, this is my bar, and things like that. <laughs> Love it. It's yeah. awesome. I, I really like that. So, so yeah, for that, for that alone, I, I, I would recommend it. But, yeah, it's not to say it's easy. It really wasn't easy. No. I'm damn sure it isn't or wasn't. Um, let's talk about this bar. So, mm. so this is absolutely fantastic. The first time I've set foot in the door, um, I've been literally nagging you the entire summer to come and to actually yeah, get this yeah. done. It's so about so what, I, three, four months to do. I this. was uh, delaying my first visit until we could actually sit down and have this conversation. And I'm absolutely thrilled with the place. It's you know, it's it's much larger, smarter, just in every aspect, nicer than I could have imagined. Thank you. Um, now, I need to tread carefully what I'm about to say because, you know, I. I'm a massive fan of tap rooms and craft beer places, you know, and I spend far more of my life and my income in these places than <laughs> I probably should be doing. But, um, you know, most of them are, you know, with all due respect to the, you know, the places that I frequent are sort of shoehorned into kind of less than ideal locations. And I get that because, you know, you're oftentimes running at a, you know, a shoestring budget and you get what yeah. you, you know, you pick up what retail space you can, don't you? You didn't do that, did you? No, no. I, so I, I, I want to call out something else just very quickly before I answer that question. Yeah. So I was at Ciba Beer X back in March, right? And there was a whole panel show about the nuisance that is the brewery tap. Um, and and one of the guys from the sort of beer and mm. pub association uh, was there defending how you know well all these brewery tap rooms you know they're not very nice places are they? They're cold, they're damp, their toilets are terrible. Well, I mean, why don't they just kind of stop and come to our pubs? And I really have to chime in there yeah. because like the reality about the way a lot of the the non-traditional pub spaces are. It's because we've got no fucking choice. Yeah, they've opened their brewery tap because they need the roots to market. Of course they have. Yeah, and the place that's maybe in a weird, I mean, more like Windsor, yeah. but slightly off the beaten track in a small and slightly awkward space. It's done that because there's nowhere else that you that can. That was all you could afford. And yeah. have a free and you market. need to keep the lights on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like where where else can I go and say I don't want to have. I don't want to be calling Heineken. Yeah, I was exactly going to say, yeah. I can say, I'll name them Heineken. So you, you jumped in. With, I'm happy um, to name and shame. Yeah, so I'm not going to have Heineken. I'm going to have Lost and Grounded Hells or I'm going to have Utopian yeah. Unfiltered or sure. any of these fantastic lagers you can have. And it's, it's the same across the board for the other beer yeah. styles. I'm not going to have Doom Bar or I'm going to, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, you can't. You're, you're tied. Yeah. So these non-traditional spaces, they exist because of the pub tie model that we have in this country. Yeah. And, and it really it infuriates me. Yeah. Um, that, that all said... Um, we managed, based on I think the the reputation of Windsor right. um, and the accolades and awards we've managed quite to sure, win, yeah. um, and also having a fantastic agent who just happens to be a Windsor regular, okay. who we got talking to and has nice. now acted on our behalf on a couple of projects. Brilliant. We managed to get in on the ground floor in this development, mm. which obviously this is a podcast, but it, the look and feel of this place is is very unlike most of the bottle shops you're likely Absolutely. to find. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's a it's, it's a brand 
you the term is bricks and mortar what that uh, what, what that means is we or, or you know shell and core to put it another way we, we inherited concrete breeze blocks glass nothing else yeah it was an absolutely empty shell so we had to we had to lean in to a more industrial look and feel i think yep. as a result of that you couldn't sure. make a space this big with this much glass and breeze block as homely as we managed to No, make I mean, you, know, you could have panelled it, but it would just would have blown the oh, idea yeah. and it wouldn't, you know. <laughs> I've seen good examples of that. If you do the Bermondsey Beer Mile now, um, I absolutely love Second time I'm going to bring up the Colonel. Yeah. The best space on the mile as well. Okay. well. They've done that. Rather than have your plastic and your concrete and your steel everywhere, they've just yeah. covered the entire thing in pine. Yeah. So it feels a bit like going into a Swedish sauna. <laughs> uh, but it's great. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but, but no, so we had to lean into this feel. The, the location, I think, is fantastic yeah. as well. So um, it's ground floor. No, it's a corner ground floor unit on a new. How much? Three, four story tower. I, I think, think even yeah. five or six. Yeah. But it, you know, it, it, it's uh, it, residential. I, I, I have a confession to make. So I was sitting. Wait, I got here a bit early. Sitting, waiting for day, drinking my first beer in the corner table over there, looking out the window, and literally just this is just across from the register office in Maidenhead, where I was married <laughs> 22 years ago. So I, I just had to text a picture of the of the looking out the window to my wife to say, oh look where I am, you know. It's, yeah. And I didn't until I was actually looking at, it, I didn't realise where this was because this has changed so much. Oh God, yeah. No, so this, this is fantastic. There's a gravel car park just to the right of this building that yeah. was once a pub called the Anchor, which yeah. is a fantastic music pub that mm -hmm. um, you know eventually got forced out. Yeah. So we, I, I lived in Maidenhead um, from 2000. 2003 and mm. I worked here you know periodically in the you know for the next 10 years right. or so so I, I'm quite familiar with Maybe and it's just changed it's and it's still so changing much. I mean it's still an incredible amount of building work yeah there, so it's uh, I think you know we, we got in on the ground floor I mean um, literally and figuratively oh. there's a lot more that's happening here what's the what's the footprint of you know square feet so here it's a I think it's a shade under 1700 if I remember right. correctly yeah. it's a nice uh, size. it makes it about yeah. triple uh, maiden uh, winter yeah. which granted I mean, winter you is could, tiny and you've got an outdoor seat we do a private space so we've got as well. it, it's yeah. a private uh, the developer still owns the paving outside we've yeah. got a license with them to operate outside as well so Fantastic. you know we, we see about 60 or 70 people maybe have another 30 or 40 standing yeah and we outside we see another 40 or 50 Nuts. Yeah. so we, it's a big old capacity I it's the biggest nicest tap room I can think of in the southeast. To be honest, you know, Mate, that, thank you so much. It, it means <laughs> I, I, it I'm really struggling deal. to think of anywhere else um, that, that you know is, is, is you know, as nice of a bar. You know, we, there's, there's some great brewery tap spaces. You know, yeah. in, in their units, that, you know, in their own right. But but in terms of a self-contained space, this is fantastic. I said I um I, I, I think a lot about for, like for example in Bristol, um, left-handed giant and their space yeah, on the oh, river. Which is fantastic. Um, and well. you know, we're a quarter yeah. or a fifth of the size that yeah. they are. But that's the kind of look and oh. feel and an atmosphere that we wanted from this space. And yeah. um, no, I'm really proud of what we've got. Like Naomi and I often kind of sit down and, and with the wider team as well. Um, Charlotte, who you met, is ex, yeah. ex Weaver and yeah. Yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And we sort of just think, have we done this? Mm. You know, oh, like, is this too, actually yeah. quite good? Yeah, you know? no, well, I'll tell you something, it's better than good. Um, you know, even just down to the, the, the fine details, like the upholstery on the on the stools mm. and, the, and the, the, the benches and everything. It's just lovely. The whole thing is just a you know, nice attention to detail, lovely plants, the whole just, it's very, very pleasing to the eye. Oh, thank you very much. So uh, if you haven't been here yet, you need to get across here. What's <laughs> the, so how is it, you know, three months in, you know, are you, are you 
are you where you thought you'd be? We're ahead and behind, but behind is good. Um, it, I mean, it cost us more to open than I wanted it to. Right. So we're still having to sort of recover our cash flow slightly. Yeah. But in terms of where we've been week to week and month to month, I've exceeded our forecasts every oh, month so far. You know, the initial uptake has been fantastic. People mm. have been really positive. Mm. You know, we've got a huge number of positive reviews on you know Google and Facebook and things yep. like that, and, and lots of people have made this their local now. I bet. Yeah. And um, no, we, we've been tracking ahead of where I thought we'd be, and mm. yeah, I'm, re- I'm really kind of proud and excited by what this space will continue to be and develop into. Certainly, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know, you know, whilst I, it's always challenging to talk about the competition, you've got there isn't much else around in Maidenhead, is there? Really? It's, it's, what's the place at the other end of the high street? That, um, I, I, so that that's a really interesting spot. It, it's off the tap, is the name of the right. Place. That's it. Yeah. Um, it's an enterprise inn. Right. So Toby, the owner there, is or the landlord there, I should say, he's yeah. he's tied quite heavily into yeah. what he can do. Yeah. Um, prior to his taking on the unit as well, it was a sports bar. So They've got think, some decent stuff in the fridge down there. Yeah, they do. They've yeah. got some good yeah. fridges. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of what his customers want is the sports and the lager. Well, fair enough. Um, yeah. And that's fine but I know he wants to do more he's actually opening what I think will be quite an exciting place for the town which is sort of a esports bar um, as well which which is cool you know I've been to like NQ64 and Mm. and Digbeth and and places in Central they've got places in Soho as well and um, I I enjoy it Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah to have some craft beer whilst also playing uh, Mario Kart I'm, yeah. I'm all in for that I'm sort of thing yeah. so the, the, you know the town is developing hmm. um, at the moment though it is fair to say we're a long way ahead of well, anyone of breweries what is there around here um, the local brewery is Stardust. Stardust, uh, yeah. Where about are, uh, White Waltham, really. Okay. Or actually, yeah. Paley Street, so a bit nearer to Maidenhead than that. They're, yeah. they're about six miles away from yeah. both of our sites, right. um, if you could draw a triangle. Yeah. Um, and obviously, beyond that, we lean quite heavily on uh, Reading. Yeah. Um, so you know, clearly, we're drinking Siren Broken yeah, Dream so at the moment. Uh, all the, all of the Reading, yeah. Yeah. especially yeah. Double Barrel, who we get yeah. on incredibly well mm. with. And um, even Dolphin, who nice, we, yeah. we're one of the, Massive I think we're one of three sockets of Dolphin because they produce such a yeah, very, very small round. And the, but the very, very closest brewery, I, I imagine not many on your podcast would have heard of, is uh, Moog Brew in Tapwell. So it basically, it's a fantastic space. I, I'd say I recommend everyone get down to it, but it wouldn't be possible for them to. <laughs> um, you have to go on their website and book an appointment, which is sometimes a month plus in advance, mm. to go to their brewery, which is in reality, it's a big garden, don't okay. get me wrong. But it's a garden and summer house out the back of their home nice. in Tatler. Love it. Um, it's absolutely brilliant mm. in summer. Well, to be fair, even in winter they've got heaters, they've got lights, you know. Okay. But um, they produce some brilliant beer as mm. well. And we've, we've had them at the Maidenhead Beer and Cider Festival twice. And okay. uh, I'm one of two sites along with uh, Keg in Bourne End, right. which is another yeah. micro Yeah, we'll talk also um, from the Keg. It's, it's a great, great place. Spot, yeah. Carl's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but one of two sites that has their beer on keg ever because they're oh, that nice. small yeah. um, they're, so they're the very most local they're about two miles from here good shout alright so you referred briefly to this earlier on today but what's <laughs> next for the Hoppy Place I mean you know it's <laughs> Can we, is this going to be a you know a chain of, of, of bars up and down the Temple Valley? I suppose, or? I suppose we already are a chain. Well, I guess you to. are, yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like that. Cause, uh, so at the moment, we, we rotate our people around. Oh. So like Naomi, Jason and I, which the is three, a nice idea, the three actually, founders, yeah, but all, yeah, all of our full time staff. in contact with both. The, the idea yeah. is like you could go to either Hoppy and find someone you know. Yeah. So it's always a, it's a bit like going to Cheers and like you, you, yeah. know, you get in the door and everyone's like, hey, Dave. Yeah, right, yeah. uh, we want to keep that going as long as we can, but we do also want to continue to expand. I, I feel quite strongly that what we've got here would work in more places. Of course it would. Um, I, I never want to have twenty bars. No. But 
you know, because I, I don't want to give you're away. Not, you're not, not going to be the Scottish brewery anytime. No, so we're not going to be the Scottish brewery. But I, I don't want to have to step away. I want to see how they're running. I want yeah. to know that there's people in these places that I can have a chat with, a beer with. Yeah. So, you know, may, maybe it's four or five, something like that. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah that, that feels sustainable. Yeah. I, I should say as well, so I've not alluded to this so far, really the driver for doing Maidenhead as well as Windsor is I still work full-time elsewhere right? and I'd like to not eventually. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't know the timescales of that. No. Um, it might be six months, it might be five years, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to build a sustainable business. Yeah. Um, if we hadn't have done Maidenhead, Windsor would have always been a vanity project. I would have always had right. to support it in my spare time. Yeah. Um, and you can't, I can't do that forever. No. So in the, in the short term, I've built something that requires much less of my time day to day. Yeah. In, in the long term, you know, I, I, I want to be the, the sort of one of the figureheads of this business and, and, and live off it and make this my life. Sure. So that's why four or five. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to, I don't just want to franchise the places that run themselves. So no. I, I, I want to be involved. I want to yeah. enjoy what we've built. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So I can get behind that and you know, look, look forward to seeing where this goes in uh, in future years. Let's talk about what you've got coming up at the Hobby Place. You know, I, I, I just said, unfortunately, I know you've got Oktoberfest event. Yeah. This will just have missed, so unfortunately. If, if anyone starts, listening yeah. to this podcast didn't come to our Oktoberfest, you've missed out. It was yeah. fantastic, I'm sure. Yeah, the um, headaches are still, uh, still in effect, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. We've, uh, to, to be fair, I'll just allude to that briefly. If you're a lager fan, which I absolutely am, as long as it's a good lager, mm. uh, as well as the German imports, we're bringing um, Ampersand Bruco. They do a beer called Feld, which yeah. is a beautiful beautiful lager right. um, as well as their harvest beer we've got yeah, Lost yeah. and Grounded's Fest beer coming in we've got Utopian's Fest beer nice. coming in yeah. the very best of Europe's lager will be at Hoppy or oh, sorry was at Hoppy was, you weren't that's here, right you no, I, so I um, apologise <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know get, going forward something I've not done since we opened the second site is one of our monthly tasting events okay. so, so something we used to do a lot of in Windsor was like a beer school or a style shout out that kind yeah. of thing so we did stout bout where I'd get people to blind taste stouts and we'd nice. judge them and score them or put a quiz in there right. some prizes in there yeah. there's people learning about stout as a beer style mm-hmm. so you know the difference between a porter a stout an export stout an imperial yeah. what, what is an adjunct yeah. all that kind of stuff Brilliant. because you know as, as well as I'm also a beer sommelier and a qualified brewer right. uh, just to impart some of the knowledge onto people who you know want to learn more oh, try, yeah. try and make it digestible yeah. our beer school is kind of you know have a malt forward beer now have a hop forward beer and this yeah. is what yeast does and this is the difference between the east coast and the west coast and right. it's all yeah. it's all a bit of fun matched food which naomi sorts out as well yeah. and uh, and that kind of thing so that there'll definitely be a tasting yeah. event in november around that we've got um bonfire night coming up right. halloween coming up and then obviously we'll be having New Year's in both sites. Mm-hmm. Need to work out how to manage that in Maidenhead. That's going to um, be uh, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a bigger thing. Yeah, um, we have had some noise from our neighbours so far. I'm not sure kicking 150 people out onto the street at 3 a.m. will go down that well. No, we'll work it out. Yeah, but but yeah, like, generally speaking, we have monthly events. Um, now that we've got two sites. We have to make a decision, do we run them both at the same time? Yeah. Or do we alternate by week? Or do we focus um, Maidenhead or Windsor, respectively? Yeah. Something else we do is Bottle Share Monday. So okay. once, once it's the second Monday of every month, mm-hmm. and it's just come along, the, 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 tap, the taps are closed. Right. But just come along, bring, bring something weird. Yeah, bring something um, interesting. And yeah. yeah, it's a combination of people that just homebrew, and they want, they want, they want yeah. some more feedback on that. Yeah. Or is, I've had this thing at the back of my cupboard for yeah, two I've years. Yeah, I've got tons of those. I've yeah, been to yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just, 
why on earth is that stout 50 quid? Mm. I'm not going to have that by myself, but I'll split it six ways yeah. and, and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Know, we get some really mad stuff in, like Anchorage and, and rare beers in. And, nice. But yeah, it's just a, just a chance to... Mm. Yeah. All of our events are community-focused, really. Yeah. It's, either, it's either come and dress up and have beer or it's, or, <laughs> or it's, or it's bring something stupid. And, yeah. But it's always talk about it. Like yeah. beer, beer should be the reason you're there. Yeah, not just the thing in the background that gets you drunk. No, you know? absolutely. And so I think that you know that that summarises hospitality, doesn't yeah. it? Really, you know that that's that's you know going out and drinking with your mates is great. You know, and drinking is just one aspect of that whole experience. And that, you know, <laughs> I think that's very much what you were saying in your blog post, wasn't it? But, yeah. uh, uh, Dave, at this stage, before I get into the wrap-up question, I always ask if there's anything that we haven't got to that you you know you came into this wanting to raise. Um, I, I, the only thing I would mention uh, is if anyone doesn't know about our advent calendar that's getting launched next week okay. so yeah. it'll be the third year that we've done it, okay. it it's 24 beers plus um, some merchandise yet to be determined mm-hmm. uh, but you know that's the very best of local national and international beer yeah. um, there is if you prescribe to forums such as UKCBF which not everyone will on no. Facebook yeah. there's a thread that's maintained every year with a spreadsheet of the best craft beer advent calendars we always do very well in that. Nice, um, okay. For me, it, it, it's the most kid in a sweet shop I get all year because yeah, I get yeah, to pick yeah. 24 quite silly things yeah. and craft the box. What does that retail at though? Um, it's £130, okay. which isn't the cheapest on the market no. by any means. No. Um, but we make significantly less but margin on that than usual. That, yeah, yeah. It's a great box, it's fantastic value. Um, we're going to go up to 96 of them this year. Right. So we've done historically 72. Yeah. It's a lot of work for us because it's that's one person and it's yeah. 96 times 24. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot of work to pack yeah. them all out. But it's a fantastic, fantastic beer box. Trip. I always try and do like a daily drink along thing. Generally okay. speaking, I get about halfway through and then it breaks me. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll do my best to keep it going all month. Yeah. But I guarantee you'll get some very special beer in there. Yeah. And it's fantastic value. Does it, does it rise to a massive crescendo? It absolutely you know, does. We, we days, always put yeah. something very silly in on like the last Saturday and then on the 24th itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll be surprised about what's in that box. It's, it's, it's great. Nice. <laughs> all right, well, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, wrap-up questions. Uh, I always ask the same two wrap-up questions. Okay. Uh, you would have seen these, I think, in the notes. Yeah, I yeah. You. Uh, first, I call a shout-out to Little Guy, and I ask you to name one or more local to, I guess, Thames Valley would do beer businesses that you would like to mention uh, doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. Um, so, so, as an actual brewery, I've already mentioned Stardust, yep. um, but just to call back to that, uh, look, look them up, find, find a local bar that's got them in, because nice. they're, they're fantastic. Yep. In terms of promotion, Another fantastic local business, especially with what Anne-Marie does for the sort of uh, beer festival scene yes. as well, is obviously the Rumpy Goat yeah, Reading. Yeah. Uh, they're good friends, but they're brilliant. They and, are. Um, and yeah. we, uh, where would we no, be? We're lucky to have them. And where would know, we they're, be they're in without them? Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so themselves. And, and clearly, whilst I'm here, the nicest man in brewing, Andy, yep. who, who makes the entire country's beer significantly Indeed. better than it would otherwise yeah. be. Whose rye ale we really enjoyed. The Absolutely, yeah. we've been drinking today. And um, yeah, what he does for the entire beer industry should never be understated. No? Nice. All right, well, thanks for that, Dave. So we are at the wrap-up question, and here I need to know what would be your ultimate happy hour? (laughs) Where would you be? Who would you be with? And specifically, what beer would you be drinking? I've I've struggled with this. I've I've thought about this for a couple of hours. Um, In the first instance, I'm very bad at meeting someone I really kind of adore and look up to and knowing what the hell to say to them. Okay. Well, so I, think, if, I think everybody's done yeah, that, probably. to be honest with you. But you know, I don't, I don't get starstruck, but the reason for that is that I'm too 
nervous to even get starstruck. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Too nervous to even let the conversation. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. I'm not going to go up to someone and go, "Oh, uh, you're great." I'm yeah. just going to look at them and go, "Oh, it's that person," and walk away because I, I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So it, it's hard for me to, to pick an individual. I think now this would be terrible for those involved, and it's maybe a bit a bit bit of a sad thing to say. But I'm in my spare time. I'm also a massive music fanatic. Okay. And the two bands that meant the most to me growing up were Audio Slave and Linkin Park. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if I got an opportunity to have a drink with Chester, and yep. uh, in particular, I suppose Chester, um, I'd oh, love to. But nice. he's probably not a man that needed any more alcohol. Um, not, no, the same, no. same with Chris Cornell. Um, but I'd love to just understand them a bit more and yep. try and empathise with the way that they were. But that, that's you know, it's a bit of a depressing question because unfortunately they both killed themselves. So I'll try and come up with another answer. Uh, <laughs> in the beer industry. Um, I think the people that I am most fond of and uh, the most formative for me are the Grossmans in Ken. America. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to sit down with Ken. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, he spent 15, he's now, the, I think he's still the second or third largest brewery in the country, which yeah. is fantastic for an independent oh, yeah, brewery. Yeah. Up against the red and blue walls of, um, you know, Budweiser, yeah, absolutely. Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser, yeah. and obviously Millipause and, yeah. and Bush and all of that. Just to like understand how he had the persistence to push his strange, bitter, calorie, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, less fizzy than average thing in that market. Yeah. That no, when we're all we're all standing on their shoulders, aren't we? Basically? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. terms of what I drink, I would say my, my desert island beer, and I know it's in Tesco, and I know I'm a craft beer business oh. owner. But if I could only drink one beer, I'll stand by that being Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Okay. Um, yeah, it's the beer enough. that got me into this. It's the, yeah. it's the it's the thing that I drank that wasn't Carling when I was about sixteen yeah. that made me think, huh, mm. there could be something in this. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that that's my beer shout. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that. That's cool. Um, I think that's a perfectly rounded answer, Dave. I'm happy with that. <laughs> Thank um, you. This has been a fun conversation. I would very, very strongly encourage people to come and check you out, both here in Maidenhead as well as Windsor. We need more places like this up and down the Thames Valley, up and down the country, as far as I'm concerned, and more people like you preaching the, you know, the, the, the wonders of beer in, in all its uh, variety. Uh, so thanks cool. for what you're doing, and we will... Uh, We'll stay in contact, I'm no, quite sure about that. Absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for your patience with my chaotic schedule. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been brilliant, so cheers. No worries, thank you. <laughs>